listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 244. How's it going, Mark? Well, no hurricane today. <sighs> no kidding, right? <laughs> so I, mean, I had a little PS, you know, TD on that one. Yeah, so we've had multiple storms. Luckily for us here in Texas, we have not been impacted like the poor folks in Louisiana. So well, I mean, half of the so the other side of town got hit a little bit, but it was more of a wind event than anything. Yeah. We got really lucky, and it didn't hover and just dump rain on us constantly. So very blessed to be in the situation we're in. Also very blessed that we get reviews from awesome people. <laughs> I'll let you read it like then. Like this one from Arsudian from India. I absolutely love your podcast and your passion for the oil and gas industry. It's truly remarkable. The only thing I suggest changing is to reduce the four minutes you spend on self-promoting to maybe one. You don't need to self-promote and admiration. Your podcast is great enough to do it without you even needing to ask for it. Keep up the good work. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It was a five-star review. We try not to over-promote anything, but quite frankly, people, there's a cost to doing these shows. Yeah. And if you notice, we don't have advertising. We don't try to sell you anything. So the self-promotion, I'm sorry, you just have to deal with it. It just it helps us cover the bills for this show and for, for all of our other 14 Oil & Gas podcasts. So exactly. apologies. If you notice, we intentionally leave the promotion stuff at the end of the show. So yep. quite frankly, you can just quit listening. <laughs> just get through that's, the, in, that's encouraging Mark. That's well how, i mean we're not gonna quit doing it but i, I do appreciate it you know and if ashtarinian if you want to write us a check for 70 or eighty thousand dollars a year to run the show i'll, I'll reduce the promotion by 95 percent. but i don't think we do that bad a job <laughs> anyway first friday q a let's woo. get to the questions all right of course if the first person we have is ludwig i have a few questions about carbon and co2 stuff if it is so bad why are we adding it to greenhouses for industrial growing food the nature puts it in the ground from whatever for from whatever we know why are we eating something if it is so bad so actually this is really cool you may not know this page and audience but when you see commercial greenhouses one of the things they do is they accelerate the growth of plants in a lot of different ways and one of the ways they do that is they increase the amount of carbon dioxide in the greenhouse remember carbon dioxide is plant food Right. right. And so it's very common practice. You never hear anybody talking about this. And when they're finished with the CO2 in the greenhouse, you want to guess where it goes? Where? Right back in the atmosphere. Oh, okay. Yeah. And hmm. and we all know it's not bad for you. Life would not exist without carbon. We are all carbon-based life forms. So look to your left, look to your right. Those people that you see, your pets, whatever, those are carbon-based life forms. So without carbon, we wouldn't be here. And then it's not bad to eat it. It's in every single thing we eat. Looks like he has another question. Oh, <laughs> tiny other laugh. question. Are you sending anything that gives me border ish- issues, border security, gun holsters, bullets, or whatever? No, dude. <laughs> Come on. So, so Ludwig's been a, a listener, loyal listener show for a very long time. He's in the Netherlands. He has business opportunities here and in Europe and China and stuff. And so we sent him a little care package, which hopefully by now UPS has made it there because we've had some problems. But no, look, we're not, even though we're from Texas, I promise you, I'm not sending you guns or bullets or anything. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think that would make it through. So but thank you for the question. All right. So the next one is from Anonymous. I have a friend who recently moved into an apartment, a new apartment that is boasting about getting their electricity from a company called Green Mountain Energy, which I've heard of. That claims their electricity is 100% renewable energy. I find this incredibly misleading because there's no way 
they can be reliable and 100% renewable unless they have some sort of RNG in their portfolio. Maybe I'm incorrect, though. Please clarify. You are not incorrect. I get this all the time. Separate points that all end up, we'll pull it all back together. So let's talk about clean energy. In the U.S., there's a legal definition for that. And if you if you go through the right hoops and the right permits and everything, when you stand up a wind form or so form, you're then classified as a clean energy. Now, let's pick, we'll pick something. We'll pick a wind form. When that wind form that is certified for clean energy in the U.S. produces electricity, it actually produces two profit lines. So two different things to sell. It produces the electricity itself, which it can sell to the grid, but it also produces something called a renewable energy certificate, RECs or RECs. That renewable energy certificate is not tied to the electricity it just produced, right? Even though it's generated by the electricity it just produced. So you can sell those RECs separately than selling electricity. So think, keep that in the back of your mind. Second thing, here in the U.S., we're on a grid system. The entire country, other than Texas, uh, is all interconnected with high transmission power lines so that it can share the loads. So you never know that the electricity that you may be using in New York may have easily come from Michigan or California. That's probably a little bit of a stretch, but it, technically it could happen. Texas, we also have a grid, but as of today, we're not connected to the rest of the nation. We're, so we have our own independent grid. So to answer your point, your buddy that thinks he's buying pure renewable energy, number one, it's impossible to tell. Once those electrons are put on the grid, an electron is not a greener electron or hydrocarbon electron. It's just an electron, right? Pure and simple. And there's no way to tell where the electron came from. So you're right in the fact there's no way you can guarantee that electricity is using is 100% renewable. But then we get into the problem of companies that produce normal electricity, say uh, hydro, nuclear, natural gas, coal, can also buy these RECs, these RECs, and then use them to sell and proclaim they have re a clean renewable energy by law. So it's really, really, really a mess. There's really no such thing as clean electricity on the grid because it's all mixed up together. And trying to trying to separate that's impossible. It's sort of like if you had a cup of water page and you went to the Mississippi River and that cup of water was your clean electricity and you dumped it in the Mississippi River. And then <laughs> down at New Orleans, you're trying to capture that clean energy. Yeah, that's, it's, it's literally impossible. Yeah. And there's companies out there. What who did he mention? Green um, Mountain. And they intentionally mislead people. So Green Mountain, if you have any beef with me about that, I'll be happy to talk to you, you know, on, on the show about it. You are buying energy that have that has renewable energy certificates that have RECs, 100%. That's that's your business plan. But you're also buying energy that's produced by other means, such as coal, natural gas, and it all gets mixed together. You just have enough RECs to say that you're 100% renewable, but your electrons are not. So hopefully that answers your question. All right. So the next question is from Altug Poras. How is the future for Marcellus Shell natural gas producers look like? If the Mountain Valley pipeline is further delayed or the new capacity does not meet the production. Oh, what a what a multi-level question. Yep. So let's <laughs> start with just the Marshall Shell. Heavy, heavy gas producer. Right now, gas is going on a roar. I don't even know what it's up to today, but every day, at literally every hour, it goes up in, in price, which is really interesting. Now it's making it natural gas prices are now making it more commercially viable for renewables, which is kind of cool, but it's ironically funny. So the big thing about gas prices right now is the Marcellus is heavily dependent on LNG exports, which is happening. But now the cost of natural gas is going up, especially in the Marcellus, which means that unless the Marcellus LNG can be sold at a, a slight discount, it's now complete with global gas from Russia and from the Middle East and even from Canada. That's the main part of the market. Now, this pipeline delay, which has been delayed again and the prices went up again and there's a bunch of anti-pipeline people fighting it, is then 
is going to impact the ability for the natural gas to be moved out of the Marcellus to the LNG facilities in order to turn it into LNG, which we remember last time I got schooled on what LNG actually is, which right. is different than CNG. <laughs> <laughs> so the takeaway is much, much needed for the Marcellus. The Mountain Valley pipelines could give us that takeaway, but it's been delayed for at least another six months. The prices went up about 20% and they're still in court and fight the anti-pipeline people. And so it's it's just a mess. And the, the real danger here long-term wise is that there's so much legal fighting around this pipeline while the commercial viability of this pipeline gets less and less because the cost of gas is going up, that it may be that the project itself is not financially viable and they kill the project. Right now, that is not going to happen. It's too close to being completed. But if the if the courts go the wrong way with the people that are fighting a pipeline, it could happen. So let's keep our fingers crossed. This has been a project that's been working on for years. This thing need, needs to get completed. It's just beneficial for everybody in that part of the country, and it's almost there. So fingers crossed it'll get completed. Yes, definitely. Fingers crossed. All right. So the next question is from Zach Howard, and he would like to know if we have any networking events scheduled in Dallas anytime soon. No, Zach, but join the street team on LinkedIn. Seriously, Zach. And then once you get approved, reach out to the street team itself and see who else is in Dallas. I would love to do, which by the way, we've renamed our happy hours into industry mixers. Still the same event. I would love to do one of our industry mixers in Dallas. All I need is people there that are willing to go. So well, Zach, and then we and we do have a host out there. We have Joe. Yeah, we, we do have some of our team out there. So Zach, yeah. join the street team and then find out if there's other people in your area that would also, if you can get me 20 or 30 people that promise they'll show up, we'll do one in Dallas. We'll be happy to do that. Which is funny because the next question is from Ray Dougal and they asked, would you have any organizations in Lafayette, Louisiana? I can help at a, as street team member there. So Ray, almost same advice. Join the street team. We would love to have your help. Laugh at Louisiana is on our list for future live events. It's been on our list for a while. Plus, Paige and I love going to Lafayette. Now, we have a little bit of a disagreement on where's the best place to stop for Boudin when you're leaving Lafayette. <laughs> but it's all good. That whole intersection right there at Scott is like- Well, the- I mean, yeah, there's like three different stores. But Ray, join the street team. I w- and once again, Lafayette is on our list for future live events. But by join the street team, have a- this way we can get in touch with you and let you know when stuff's going on. All right. So the next one is from Mark and it's a question. I don't have a question, but please stop saying Oklahoma is open for Californians to move to. <laughs> so, so Mark, you're not the first person that asked me to quit saying that. Well, that was really me. Yeah. Should was, we pick another state to send California? Well, I mean, to? there's Kansas. <laughs> well, the cool thing about saying that California should move to Kansas is that there's only seven people that live in Kansas, <laughs> so we can't get too much feedback. And, and, and I know I'm going to get hate mail from Kansas. I know there's really 13 of y'all, not seven. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> That's all because my friend Justin moved out. No, there's only seven left. <laughs> all right. So the next one's from Carl. No nuclear fusion in Fukushima ever. It was a fission. It is decay heat from unstable fission products. They decay and the reproduction and mass between the isotope and the emitted particle and the new often unstable isotope. E equals MC squared. Yeah, so Carl, I knew that. I just misquoted. I had to. Th- I always have to think about fusion is smashing the molecules together, and fission is splitting them. And I do know that fission is what we use now. That's why you have the waste products. And fusion is the future. Fusion is what they used in Back to the Future. Remember Mr. Fusion on the back of the DeLorean? We threw the banana peel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cool thing about fusion is there's there's no waste products left. So. The problem is it's such intense temperatures that there's, there's no material that can hold it. So they have to hold it magnetic 
magnetic vessels, which is almost like force fields from Star Trek. So I just, I misquoted there, but Carl and audience, anytime I get something wrong, even as simple as the difference between fission and fusion, please reach out and let us know. Because the number one thing is we need to let our audience know that that wasn't true. What is the correct? So thank you, Carl, for reaching out and correcting us or honestly correcting me. Yeah. Yeah. That's not my forte. Anyway. So the next question is from Doug and it says, Michael and Paige. (laughs) Doug, what show are you listening to? Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Sorry for interruption, but I wanted to bring up a few quick things for September. First, our happy hour. If you don't know this, our happy hours are usually last Thursday of each month here in Houston, unless there's a holiday, and this month is no different. It's going to be Thursday, September 30th at the Canon. Our happy hours are much more than a social event. Our happy hours include a learning component, very strong networking, food and drinks, and then most importantly, The money that we raise goes to fight human sex trafficking. So by you showing up at our happy hours and participating, you're helping us fund the fight. So thank you. Then we have a new show, our Low Carbon Solutions show. It is awesome. It's very pro oil and gas. At the same time, we're also exploring low carbon solutions. And if you don't know this, besides the podcast you're listening to right now, we have 14 other podcasts for your listening pleasure. You can find them all at OGGN.com or any place that you download and listen to podcasts. Then finally, if you want to do something different, if you want to play a role with us here at OGGN, maybe have a little bit of fun, join the OGGN Street Team on LinkedIn. Just go search for OGGN Street Team, sign up. It's completely free to you. It's our all-volunteer group doing really cool stuff, such as reading pro-oil and gas books to elementary school kids. Yes, you heard me right. We are helping educate our world's young people on the pros of oil and gas, on the advantages of the fact that hydrocarbons are the most valuable molecule to mankind. We're doing that. Why don't you come help us with that? And if you don't want to help us with that, maybe you can help us with our social media or being a part of our press team or 101 other things. But we can't do anything unless you sign up at LinkedIn. So go do it right now. Hopefully this was not too much of an interruption. I will see you again next month. Long time listener, but this will be my first first Friday question. I began listening to your show in late 2019 while I was Pleading a master's in petroleum engineering and your podcast helped me keep up with the industry. I remember writing my thesis, watching oil go negative, and ended up completing my master's in May 2020. Since graduating, I have struggled to find a position in the upstream industry due to lack of experience. I feel that I am in a non-traditional situation as I began my un- undergrad late as 23 years old and continued right into my master's after graduation. Do either of you have any advice on things I can do to help my, make myself more marketable as I compete with 2021 graduates and those that are still looking to return to the industry with years of experience? Yeah, so Doug, even though I gave you grief for not getting my name right, it's okay. <laughs> maybe I should go by Michael. That way I can do more well, stuff. We already have one Michael. Maybe, <laughs> he's thinking, one. maybe he's thinking of O'Sullivan. Oh, that's true. Maybe he just listens to different shows, got things mixed up. That happens. couple of things. So first thing, you're in a position where you're over-educating, under-experienced. I'm not dogging you. That's just the position you're in. It's awesome that you went back and got your master's, but you are right. And unfortunately, the industry right now is looking for experience, not as much as education. However, there's a several different ways for you to get some experience and give you a heads up over the new 2021 graduates. Number one, go volunteer. Pick any oil and gas company, any upstream operator out there and ask them if they have some volunteer positions. That is experience, whether you're getting paid for or not, and it's rather easy to do. 
Second thing, look outside of the oil and gas industry itself and look at other companies that support oil and gas, like technology. If you look at our sponsors, a lot of them are very big technology companies. However, they have domain expertise. We'll use IBM right as a perfect example. IBM has petroleum engineers, geologists, geophysicists, all working for them so they can better service their oil and gas clients. There's another place you can get experience that is not an operator, it's not oil and gas operator. And that would really give you a foot up over your competitors. And then finally, Network, 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 network. Let me say that again. Network, network. That's network, exactly network. what that was exactly what my advice was going to be because I volunteered for OGGN before it was even OGGN, yeah. and look where I am. So yeah, and, and Doug, look at things like API. There's local API, American Petroleum Institute chapters everywhere. They need the volunteer help. Look at you know International Association of Drilling Contracts, IADC, SPE. SPE. That's all good places. And then literally put in your calendar if if since it looks like you're not working now but you're out of school. Literally, try to put three or four hours a week in your calendar where you only network. Now, Doug, network is not showing up so you can have free cocktails. Network is going places where people in the industry congregate and being helpful. So I'll give you a good example, and it's going to sound like I'm trying to get free labor, and maybe I am, but it's still a good example. If you're in Houston and you joined our street team and you came in volunteering and worked in our happy hour, do you know the senior people on gas that you would shake hands with every month? That's true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. So it's stuff like that, Doug, that will give you a a heads up over anybody that you're competing with. And quite honestly, they won't think of that. Now, here's the other thing, Doug, which is even more important than everything I just rattled off. When you get that position that you want, when you get that dream job, everything that I just said, don't stop. For the rest of your life, network, learn, look outside the industry, and you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Great advice. All right, so the next one is from Jason. Love the show, guys. Mark, why is your industry so hard to sell to? Keep up the great work. So, Jason, you work for a company called Splunk, which I actually know a little bit about of, which is interesting. So let's back up, Jason. My industry is not hard to sell into. Sales organizations that have had success in other industries don't understand this one. So then, of course, it's hard to them. Couple of things off the top of my head. First thing, this is one of the most risk adverse industries in the world. From the outside, it makes us look like we're old fashioned. It's not. If Paige and I make a mistake, people die. And not only people die, but you can have environmental catastrophe, which can destroy a company overnight. Or an economy. Yeah. And that's not the same in big box retail or legal or medical anywhere no. else. So in our industry, we don't like change because if we have a process or a tool in place and we've used it for 20 years and nothing's ever leaked and nothing's blown up and nobody's gotten hurt, we don't want to change the process. And that's what your sales team is going to run into. Now, the flip side of that is a million dollar deal in oil and gas is nothing. A $10 million deal on oil and gas is nothing. A $100 million deal on oil and gas, now you're starting to get somewhere. So the payoff are enormous, but you have to learn the industry. You also have to be able to talk the industry jargon. The first time, actually, we just had this happen the other day on one of our pitch shoots, is the guest we were interviewed called the French super major Total. Instead of Total. <laughs> and a I lot of people. I haven't that. been yeah. there. But. The moment you say Total, we know you're from outside the industry. Your sales teams are outside the industry. Things like HSE, we call it HSE. The whole rest of the world calls it EHS. So the moment you say EHS, we know you're not from oil and gas. When you say HSE, we know you are. And other thing, Jason, if I was you, if you want to help get your sales teams up to speed, if you want some quick successes, you want to learn not only how to sell to oil and gas, but the culture and, and the way it works, go check out modalpoint.com. A shameless plug for my previous company. Self-promotion, Mark. I know. Stop. Oh, that's true. I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> so just real quick, go to modalpoint.com. Check them out. That's literally what they do over there. Know those guys really well because it's my company. <laughs> Hopefully it helps you, Jason. 
All right. So the next one's from William at Devon. Paige, what's going on with the new rules that require offshore producers and all previous owners of assets to be financially liable for plugging wells and removing platform pipelines? Will this also apply to offshore wind farms? Mark, we love you and your team has done with OGGM. Please keep turning it to the right. Well, so this is kind of, this was a whole lot of fun research to do. There's already something in place that if something happens where a company goes bankrupt and can't plug in and abandon and decommission their stuff, the previous owner is liable for doing so. And this comes back after they turned leasing back on after the court order to do so. Because we had so many companies go bankrupt last year. So that, you know, that was an issue. But as far as setting new rules in place, I haven't seen anything about it on regulations.gov, nor have I seen any changes to CFR 30 part 20, part 250 subpart Q, which is where the Bessie regulations lie. And Bessie only handles offshore and oil and gas activities as far as decommissioning goes, whereas BOEM handles the renewable permitting side. So this basically means the decommissioning rules that will be different since they're under different parts of the CFR. So, so Paige, I'm going to take a shot at this. I know this is really your your expertise, but if people don't know the difference between plug and abandonment and decommissioning, see if I get this right. Plug and abandonment is when you basically start shutting the well itself down, right? Decommissioning is the process of taking all the infrastructure you've built around that well and putting it back to as close to nature as possible. So plug and abandonment means plugging the well. That means it's done producing. So you would start off with temporarily abandoning that if you can't permanently abandon it right away. So you would plug and abandon and then decommissioning comes after all of the wells have been plugged and then you need to sever the legs of the platform and then following that. You can do rigs to reef after that using that platform and then you trawl. Yeah, just in case the audience didn't know what those two things so were. So decommissioning is like the bigger part of all of it together. Gotcha. What's next? So the next one is from Anonymous. You both have been giving some great advice on really difficult subjects, so I'm hoping you can help. I have several teams that report to me, and one of them has a couple that are, shall we say, quote unquote, romantically involved. The problem is they are both married to other people. Their work is outstanding, and they do a really good job of keeping their relationship secret, which is why you know I would assume. (laughs) But our teams know what is going on, and I am afraid at some point this will blow up and create a mess. What should I do? So this is, I mean, is it hurting anybody? Are we having an HSNE or, you know, moment? Are, Are people, like, unless it's hurting someone physically and it's people are in danger, I almost feel like it's nobody's business. Yeah, so I agree with you. So anonymous, I'll try not to read her name, which by the way, folks, when y'all write in stuff and you want to be anonymous, where it says name, just put anonymous. So we yeah. <laughs> but but still, this is good. So first thing is, I think it's nobody's business, right? Right or wrong. However, the one thing like to Paige's point that is a little bit worrisome is you have several teams that report to you. These two are on one team. If they're relationship antics in any way would cause conditions to be unsafe for that team you have a or if it affects their work or their work you have an obligation to put a stop to it and i don't know what that would look like because this is a lot of ambiguous stuff here you know so if everybody's working and and there's no safety risk or anything you know if everybody's in the office if this is a couple teams that work in the office i don't think it's anybody's business however yeah if you're out in the field and if these two say get in a fight or something, or spouses find out and it could threaten the safety of the team, then it, it you need to address this now. It's not worth somebody getting hurt. I would almost I would almost pull them aside and say, hey, this is what it's going to be. If there's any distraction or 
it affects your job in any way, shape, or fashion, then you'll have to make decisions to separate and them. It could be as simple as putting them with different teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But to Paige's earlier point, I don't really think it's anybody's business unless it affects the safety of the work of the crew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good luck, Anonymous. I will. Let me stop for oh. the next question. Guys, y'all give us some really, sometimes really hard. I mean, this was a hard question. We we get, you know, we get some of these. We love answering them. Keep sending them. But, you know, we're, we're giving you our opinions. Just please always think things through yourself. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course. All right. So the next one is from Mary, which is VP of operations at Chevron. First thing is, I love what you two are doing. I never miss an episode, and I always find this show to be highly educational and entertaining at the same time. Second thing is, I know that Mark has been working hard to get some traction with the (laughs) CVX, or with Chevron, right? That's Chevron. Okay. Please keep up those efforts. What do you think 2022 will bring to the oil and gas industry? Sorry, guys. I don't invest. I don't know (laughs) all the acronyms to all this stuff. It was just a telltale with where she said she works at chevron yeah so mary <laughs> i'm really curious are you like hearing stuff about the people i'm talking to at chevron from urine because that would be kind of cool but I also get that you work there <laughs> so it's yeah so yes i have been in active discussions with chevron around a couple of projects i think are mutually beneficial to chevron to us and to mankind quite frankly but just wait to see what happens what do i think will happen 22 the oil and gas industry now Paige, she's getting into my predictions early we're almost there i can't believe it's usually october and all the analysts start going where are your predictions mark and that's when i go you're the analyst why are you waiting for my <laughs> predictions to come out but i will tell you one thing mary one thing that's kind of new on my radar that every day seems like it's more of a reality for next year 2022 and you could think i'm crazy i think we have a global energy shortage I think there's not enough exploration production being done. There's our duck count. So basically our wells that are weighted to go in production have dropped dramatically. The oversupply has dropped dramatically. And especially with the new vaccines rolling out globally, the uptick in demand for hydrocarbons, jet fuel, transportation fuels, plastics, all that stuff is going to go up. And I think that here and in Europe, the super majors have been sidetracked by the ESG green energy type of stuff that they aren't looking for it like they normally do to make sure they replace their reserves. I would not be surprised if 2022, we have a shortage of natural gas and crude oil, and that's going to be horrible. I know it sounds great. Like oil hit $150 a barrel. It's going to be horrible for the industry. It's going to cause geopolitical instability. It's going to cause wars in the Middle East. It's going to cause tightening down from politicians on the left, both here and in Europe and in Canada. I don't want it to happen. But I think it will. And then unfortunately, Paige, if I'm right about this, the people that will suffer the most are the poorer people in the world. Because, you know, you and me can pay an extra $50 a month on our electricity bill, right? An extra $100 for an airplane ticket or whatever. But a lot of people can't. So I'm hoping I'm wrong about that, Mary. But if you, if you want to ask me, the one thing I'm worried about the most in 22 for, in oil and gas, honestly, is a shortage of energy globally. So welcome to the shit show. <laughs> I hope not. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope you're wrong, too. All right, that's all, that's all the questions. But it's not all the free day passes. Oh? Oh? Four. Emma's got to edit all this stuff out. <laughs> a free day passes for the Canon. Canon is a partner of OGGNs. They're here in Houston. If you want a place to go work without people bugging you, all you do is walk up to the front desk and go, hey, we're a friend of OGGN. They'll give you a free day pass. It's also where we have all our happy hours. Actually, I quit using happy hours. All our in- industry mixers. So just a cool place to go check them out. And then... Also, we're still giving away this IBM T-shirt. I haven't gotten any feedback from y'all. I've asked y'all a dozen times, what would you like us to replace this well, T-shirt Well, I guess we're with? just going to keep the shirt. 
Well, here's the other thing. If we change, then these t-shirts are even more viable because they're not being made anymore. Oh, that's cool. Hey, yeah. you know what? Maybe we should just not give anything away until people start getting back to us. Yeah, but we got to share that with IBM. I don't oh. IBM <laughs> so so <laughs> no, regardless, regardless of page not think you should have this shirt or not, if you want one, go to the show notes, click on the link, enter. We give away one a week. They're super viable, also really cool shirts. I want one. I can't even have one. Yeah, I can't have one either. And if you don't win, you can register every week. And then end of this month is our industry mixer. It'll be the 30th. Uh, yes. Here in Houston, the happy hour, six o'clock. Just pay attention to our social. I think the invite's actually going out Monday. It already went out. Oh, it already went out? Oh, yeah, I already got one. Yeah. And then weekly recount, where are we? Oh, I didn't even look. I'm not even prepared, y'all. <laughs> let's see. We are, let's see. The U.S. is at 512, so we're up nine. Canada is at 154. We're up 11. Awesome. Internationally, we're at 777, and we're up 26. So everything's looking great. Awesome. 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 Some great stuff. Also great stuff. We heard me talk about before. Go to LinkedIn, join the OGG and street team. If you want to help or be more in the loop of what's going on, we got some interesting stuff coming up for the street team. We got a change in leadership. We got some, some more street team only events in the, in the works right now. So go join the street team. Cost you nothing. And honestly, if you just want to join the street team and do nothing, that's okay too. We, we like everybody. We like the hustlers and we like the people like to sit down and do nothing. <laughs> You're so so enthusiastic about people being idle. And then, you know, this is the first Friday Q&A. If you'd like to have your question read on there, it's really simple. Either go to oilandgasthisweek.com or OGGN. There's a place to just submit your question. If we use your question on the air, we'll give you a big shout out. And then finally, if you want to know about our oil and gas events and all the oil and gas events that are going on, go check out the monthly oil and gas events newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. You sign up. We don't spam you. Each month, we take all the oil and gas events and put them in your inbox for free. And if you'd like myself or any of our experts to come speak at your event, Paige, you got an invite to go to Lake Tahoe, didn't you, to speak? I did. I did. And just FYI, y'all, I don't speak. <laughs> I just read questions and articles I'm working for on all y'all. No, I don't really like that attention. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want us to come speak or bring a podcast to your live event, reach out. We have a lot of activity around that. It's fun. It's entertaining. And your audience, your company will love you for doing it. And that's about it. Oh, actually, before we go, I did want to mention I've gotten a lot of emails and well wishes about me being out. I have a condition called endometriosis. And so for about a week out of each month, I pretty much can't get out of bed. And it varies each month. So I'm not dying, y'all. We're good. It's just part of my life. It's been a part of my life for a very long time. So thank you, everyone, for all the well wishes and the get well soon. So I really appreciate that. Paige, that was very powerful for you to admit that on the microphone. Well, I don't, I'm pretty much an open book. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of people, a lot of women suffer from endometriosis. You don't hear a lot of people talking about it. I personally appreciate you sharing that with the audiences. So like she said, she's fine, except for that one week of the month. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, don't don't even email me, guys. I won't. <laughs> all right, that's it, Mark. That's all I wanted to share. All right, ready to get out of here? Yep. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.